right, everyone. Good morning. All right, you're welcome to, ready to worship the Lord today. Sorry, I got caught up there. Everybody ready to, ah. Michelle, say it. Everybody ready to worship? Ready to worship the Lord. There we go. Everybody, let's stand on up and let's worship the Lord today. Jesus, I say. 
Thank you for bringing us here today. We, we can't wait to hear what you have for us here today. Thank you for your presence already. And um, who can stop the Lord Almighty? It's no one. It's no one. So we give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said, all right, say hello to the person next to you. Say, uh, I'm glad you came to church. And our kids can head to Sunday school. is full on Labor Day Sunday. Woohoo! Can you hear me? Am I good? 
talk into it. Okay. And Jack said, I can't repeat any of those announcements, but holy moly, this church has got a lot of things going on. And if you are not connected, please see one of us after church and get connected because we have so much going on. And we're going to do some fun stuff with Bunko. So if any of y'all is interested, talk to Lisa Osborne or me because we're going to do some playing and having some fun. And I just see a lot of new faces out here today. Make sure you catch me after church. I have a little gift for you. So just make sure you track me down if I didn't hug you coming through the door today, okay? Um, I do want to shout out. We got a happy birthday today. Janet McCusser wants us to say happy birthday, Larry. You can stand up if you want. Woo, woo. <laughs> and that's a good thing. We love to celebrate birthdays. And then if you were sitting there knowing it's your birthday and you didn't tell me, shame on you. Um, also, we got some uh, praises and some uh, prayers. We've got a lot of folks that have had surgery here. I see Ed, I see Bill, I see people that are recovering, and I'm happy to see them. And I know I said that last week too, but yay, I'm happy to see you here. Um, Emily and Wes are on vacation. We're going to give them some traveling mercies, and they have a big vehicle, so there's no problem that my husband and I have when we're in the same car. I know you didn't need to know that, but anyway. Um, I, a praise for Donnie, my future son-in-law, is seven months sober, and that is a blessing from God because I want you to know this church has had been praying for him for four to five years in and out of rehab, in and out of rehab, and God has finally touched his heart. And I invited him yesterday to come to church, and he said, I will someday. So to me, that's close to a yes, so I'm happy. Um, Jen Cummings, her mom has been in the hospital and has had some stuff going on. We want to lift her in prayer. Our Kate Allen is having surgery Wednesday, so we all need to be lifting her up in prayer. We'll all be here Wednesday morning at 6 in prayer, so we will keep her in there. Karen Verity, her sister's home, and still having some issues with her recovery. We want to keep her in prayer. Um, Lisa Bailey, keep her in prayer. Uh, Rig, we're happy you're here today. You and my husband were one-on-one -on -one episodes at the hospital, so I'm glad you're both here today. Um, all of those are holiday traveling. Jill and Jim are going down to the college and doing things, and we know that um, most of you got your college students off, and maybe they'll come home for this quick three-day weekend or, or not. <laughs> um, Jen Lugello has asked for prayers for her nephew, Jordan. He was hospitalized for a mental health crisis, and we pray that God can help him and work on that. Um, and her sister, Dolores, also needs prayers. Um, Holly Kipp, um, dad's chronic shoulder pain. He's still having some issues, and we really want to lift him in prayer and, and get him back in church with us because we, we know he he needs to be here with us. So, all right. Um, hands on your knees. We know what that's for. Give it to God. You woke up this morning. You had something heavy on your heart, whether it was your husband healing, whether it's a loved one that's in pain and mental crisis. Give it to God. Let him have it. Just let it go. And then anything that's burning in your heart, tell him because he is the one to talk to and to walk with. And now, Lift your hands to Jesus because he will answer those prayers. Just receive what he's going to give you. Open your ears to hear. He will talk to you. It might be the wind. It might be a whisper. It might be a little red bird crossing in front of you, but God does talk to us every day. So open your minds and your hearts and take in those prayers and those answers and those mercies. And now let us pray. Jesus, 
thank you for Haven Community Church and this church family. They are amazing. Their love for one another is outstanding. Keep us in line with our brothers and sisters so that we can always be lifting them in prayer because prayer is healing. And when others are praying for you, you know it and you feel it. And I know everyone in here can tell me they feel it. Be with those who are suffering financially and need help with their finances. Be with those who are suffering from mental health issues and it's burning, it's burning, tearing up their life. Give them relief. Give them the freedom from those issues. Be with Pastor Jack today as he brings us the message in the Holy Spirit and lifts our hearts closer to Jesus every day. Our Stephen ministers are all at work doing your work and reaching out to others. Be with them and give them the wisdom and the spirit to heal and help others walk through their journey of troubles. Be with our grief share group as we have many and they are really working through it. We're seeing great progress and I know you're there with us every Monday night. And folks, don't forget your prayer cards. They're inside of your bulletins. Please fill them out, and you can put them in the baskets going out the door because we're in a heavy, heavy 14-day prayer service, and we will be lifting those folks in prayer. So all these things I ask in Jesus' name, fill this church with love. Amen. So we can all recognize this as worship. But what about this, or this, or this, or even this? Yeah, that's worship too. I mean, because worship, we see it expressed all the time. Everybody, all over the world, we all do it. Whether it's our favorite sports team, a cause, a lover, our favorite artist, even nature, the sun, the moon, and the stars, our jobs, and our wealth, and yes, even to God. We all do it. The question is not whether we worship, but what and how we worship. And this should come as no surprise to any of us, because God made us this way. We were created for worship. The Bible says that He has set eternity in the hearts of men. We search for more. We look for purpose and meaning. We long to worship something, someone. But how do we as followers of Christ ensure that our worship is not what God describes as useless fires on my altar, but true, proper, acceptable, great worship? All right, today we are going to talk about worship. Get it? Um, so we, um, it's, uh, so we can all really recognize we this just got done as worship. Through a very long series, nine weeks what about on this? the Beatitudes, or and this? Um, so we finished that up last week, and so we're starting or on this, this brief series on yeah, worship. That's we're worship talk about too. True worship. I mean, because uh, worship, things, um, we, we do see have it our, expressed uh, all the time. Um, or worship Everybody, guide that you want to use all to over in, the world. Feel free to do we so. all do it. If you would rather have it, whether it's our favorite sports team, might have it digitally. Cause a lover, our favorite artist. You can get that as well. A lot of times, it's right up there so you can take out your smartphone and get it that way if you want to just go ahead and aim it and the camera and then hold down on it and we're all good we all know how to use those now right uh, remember when there wasn't a such thing as a qr code 
if you say yes, you're really old like me, okay? Um, but um, so we just want you to uh, go ahead and have a good time. Uh, Joanna did mention this. I think everybody received one of these. These are um, the prayer cards that we are using for our 14 days of prayer. Um, we're, we're making that commitment every day to have um, 14 days of, of prayer um, to really make a focus on it. And we also have some prayer guides as well. Um, and we'll have, uh, we, get that, we have them at our services. And so you'll see our next service is uh, Wednesday this uh, morning at 6 a.m., the 7th at 6 a.m., so we will be uh, here, and it lasts 6 to 7, and it is primarily, um, we come in, we have uh, a song, I say a couple brief words, I know that's hard for you who know me that I say anything brief, um, but we, we have some brief words, it's really on a strict uh, time schedule, after that we have a worship song, and then we go ahead and let you just go ahead and spend time with God and pray, the prayer guides can help do exactly what they say, guide you through that, and um, we'll give that to you, it's really kind of good, and then we just close out with prayer, and then we're out by 7 o'clock, all right? And then the next one we will have, which will be our last one for this, um, this time uh, of, of prayer is um, on, um, on Saturday, okay, at 9 a.m., at 9 a.m. All right, so, and then, um, uh, so if you have these, what, um, you can fill them out, and at, as you leave the doors today, um, you can drop them in the, um, the plastic bins, and what we do with them, we have them up front, and people will pray with them um, by name, and they'll have them, people can just pray over them, not openly, but individuals will grab hold of those and pray for them, okay? Um, so that's that. Not something else that we have, we have a lot of things, like uh, I know we had the information about um, our Haven 101 class. If you want to know what that no, grow, serve, share is when you come in the door, you can find out about that, and it gives an opportunity for you also to join the church. Um, and so um, we have that information. That's the 18th, correct, Ron? Right after church? Is that, yeah, right after church. So if you want to know that. And then the following week, um, we had a big baptism uh, back in, was it June, I think? Um, sometime. I know, I know we're glad we didn't have it the following week because it poured down rain and we would all have been swept away. But, um, but so we're, um, some other people said they couldn't make it that time. And so what we wanted to do is we're going to go ahead and set up a, um, a baptismal service right after church on the 25th of September. And we're going to go, uh, go down right across the parking lot and go ahead. Anybody who wants to be baptized um, and you can start signing up for all that stuff. That's good. And then the last thing is um, disciple Bible study. I kind of mentioned it last week. It used to be 34 weeks and they still have that, but there's one called Fast Track, and it's not much um, different. It's a total of 24 weeks, and so in October, I have, we have on October the 10th, we'll meet Tuesday nights, um, we are going to begin that, and we will go through the Old Testament, and that should, should complete, unless we have to take a break for, you know, holidays and other stuff, should complete right at the end of the year or before the end of the year, so we'll have that, like, a, like kind of a semester thing, and so you're, anybody can join that, and we'll, we're planning on starting that, and it'll be on Tuesday evenings, and 12 weeks, the Old Testament, then after the first of the year, after break, we'll pick up 12 weeks with the New Testament, okay, so if, it's a great time to connect, and if you really say, you know, I want to get into the Bible, it's a great time to do that, okay, and they also are a little kinder on all the reading, if anybody's been through a disciple before, because it was, it was a lot of reading, but it's, it's, it's a great opportunity, so I challenge you to do that, okay? Okay, we all good? Yeah. Anybody got some picnics? I'm looking for a place to go, so just so you know. Um, but anyway, all right. So today we are going to um, talk about, about worship. And um, this is one of the greatest prayers um, for, for me and for our church is that um, I believe that, that worship really reflects the heart of God and really connects to you. Um, 
and, and so I really believe that one of the things that can help the church be what they need to be in this world is, um, is just a recommitment and a reconnection to worship. And you're like, what am I talking about? Um, you may, everybody has an idea what worship means. So after the service, um, we're going to talk about true worship. So I want to talk to you, again, it's one of the biggest burdens on my heart, something I believe absolutely and completely just really, really, truly does reflect the heart of God. And, um, and so I also think it's an area that we can always improve in. Um, with our worship and our devotion and our love for God. So I'm going to share first a few thoughts from Scripture, then I'm going to unpack some certain things. We're going to stop in a couple areas of Scripture, and then hopefully after you, uh, after you have this, you'll experience um, some worship. So let's look at the... Uh, before that, I'm going to give you a, a little joke. You ready? You ready? If you're not ready, I'm not giving it to you. You, you groan and don't like them, but you keep asking for them. So anyway, um, what do... Uh, what do worshipers and mice have in common? They both worship Jesus. All right, sorry. I told you you groan, but I'm bringing another one to you next week. So anyway. All right, John chapter 4, verses 23. Jesus says this. He said, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. Now, I find it interesting because he's, he says, how, what kind of worshipers? What kind of worshipers? True. true worshipers. True worship. So if there's true worshipers, that means there's? Oh, gosh, you guys are good. Um, there's false worshipers. So notice what Jesus is not seeking. He's seeking the true worshipers. What is he not seeking here? He's not seeking the best public speakers. He's not seeking the most charismatic leaders. He's not seeking the richest of the rich. He's not seeking the most talented, the most gifted administrators, the best looking, the best style, the best dressed, the people with the most Instagram followers. He's not seeking that. He's seeking true worship and true worshipers. And that's what he's saying. So you may say this. You may say, okay, Okay, Cohen, well, I'm, I am a follower of Jesus, but I'm not really an amazing worshiper. And I would simply say this to you. I would say, no, you are an amazing worshiper. The person you didn't say, nice to see you at church today, look at them and say, you're an amazing worshiper. Yeah, you didn't want to say that, did you? Look at them. They were your second choice. Um, an amazing worshiper. Because what is it? We are all worshipers. We are all worshipers. We all have worship in us, and we all worship all the time. And um, it's simply showing what we value. That's what worship is, showing something that we value, showing what is something wor um, worth to us. Like, for instance, remember when the new iPhone came out? What did people do? Lined up around the block, like, yeah, I can't wait to get to the... They got it. That is a form of worship. They're excited about it. They're, they're doing everything. And, you, and everybody looked at that negative person who came out with like 100 and sold them a lot higher. You know, people worship those kind of things. What about like a sporting event or a concert? If you go to a sporting event and you love a team, what do you do? What do you do? Come on, you got to wake up. What do you do? You cheer. You go, and, and if something bad happens, oh, come on, you're, you're against that because you're so connected to that. Um, and you celebrate, you worship. If you go to a concert and you love the musician, what do you do? You clap, you celebrate, you go, yeah. And they say, they go like this, they say, oh, if you're out there, Cleveland, everybody goes, ah, I'm not from Cleveland, they yell anyway. Um, but you know that people always name a town. And they, ah, people, no matter what they do, because you're connected to that person. So you celebrate and you worship what is going on. If you won the lottery, 
you would probably express some worship for something you really, really are excited about. Like if you won Powerball, which, what was it, 90-some million or whatever, would you just go, mm, that's nice. Mm. Yeah, I'm really glad that my bank account is great now. Thank you. Awesome. You'd be like, yes, I can quit now. And those kind of things. You would be so excited, so excited when those things happen. And here, here's... Um, Here's some of the things that happen. Like, you know, here's some images of people worshiping. Let me show you some images of these people worshiping. Here you go. There's some people worshiping. Let's go uh, another one here. There they are. They're worshiping. She's even got her whatever in her hand. There's a, there's a guy who's really committed to worship. I've never seen somebody show up for church like that, but that's awesome. You know, he's ready. Next one. Look, that's somebody who's worshiping, correct? Correct? And I think we got a couple more. There they are. They're worshiping. Um, they're excited. And there we go. And this came up. This is a beach volleyball tournament. Yeah, that's people worshiping beach volleyball. So maybe they just like the sun. I don't know. But so we, we have these different types of forms of, of worship. We do it all the time. And what we see um, in these images, we see passion. We see enthusiasm. We see singing. We see love. We see admiration. We see cheering. And in all these pictures, what we see is we see good worship. We really see good worship here. And, and, and that's not a bad thing. But there is a problem. It's a bad God. And all those things, they're, they're doing good worship with a bad God. Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to pick on any of those things at all. But what I'm saying is that any sports team, any, any uh, singer, any athlete, any kind of thing like that, I'm not calling them bad. But in reality, they're just not good gods because they're not God. And so, but what do we have? What do we have? Um, a lot of times, um, we've got the good worship of a bad God in the world, but the reverse often happens in the church. In the church, we often have, dare I say, bad worship of a good God. You know, that, that the worship that we give that is really good is better out in these different arenas we talked about than it is in the church. And we have bad gods out there that we're giving all our worship to, and inside the church, we are giving kind of like an eh worship to an awesome an awesome God, an incredible God. So, um, for, for instance, already in our worship day, ask yourself these questions. Um, have, when you, did you already experience the presence of God? Do you, do you worship him for who he is and thank him for what he's done to express the deepest part of your heart and your love for God? Or honestly, were you running a little bit late like I was today? Um, were you uh, saying, oh, that, that's pretty good. I like those songs. I'll sing a little bit. I'll be singing. He has done great things. Like, oh, that's kind of a catchy tune. Um, is, is that what we do? So and let's look at Matthew chapter 15. And in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is dealing with this problem or this issue, quoting the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And he says this. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. In all those pictures of people at concerts and at sporting events, did it seem like they were just honoring with their lips? No, every single bit of them was just excited. And, you know, next week, next week is a great day in the history of the world. NFL season starts, you know, and I will be glued and I will be in turmoil because I have great promise and I know that the Eagles are going to put me on this up and down thing. And you know, there's only one season they didn't and it still was up and down. But what I'm saying is um, I, I, will, I will give so much of me. I mean, I, you know, Melissa usually says, looks in when I watch an Eagles game, says, seriously? And I'm like, please go, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm evil when that happens, you know. I give everything, good, bad, and ev everything in those moments. But I'll be, I'll be watching that 
after I worship a good God in the midst of that. So that's, that's what we'll be looking for in that. So he says that they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Um, I want to set the tone for the rest of the service by looking at Psalm 100. And David wrote this. David had a lot of issues. A lot of issues. Do you agree? Anybody know about David? He had a lot of issues. Good, bad, and different. But I really believe the reason why God called him a man after his own heart was because David was a worshiper. He knew how to worship. And we're going to see a little bit more. Here's what he says. He says, shout with joy. Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. How do you shout with joy? Here, give me, give me a shout of joy to count of three. One, two, three. That's pretty good. All right. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with singing, with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He, he made us and we are the people, the sheep of his pasture. Notice what he's saying here. He's, he's doing all, all this stuff. He said, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. How many of you, when you came into church today, were like, yeah, well, thank you, God, I get to go to church today. I mean, we're like that. Um, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. I mean, look at that. Shouts of joy. Worship with gladness. Um, singing songs of joy. Uh, giving thanksgiving. Uh, entering the courts with praise and, and all kinds of things. That sounds to me like when I go to a sporting event. You know, like when they let us in, I'm like, yeah, all right, let's go. I got my jersey on and I got this really weird Eagles hat that it looks like the old style ones. And I look absolutely ridiculous, you know, and I go and I like cheer and I say things. And the next day, I got a voice, I don't have a voice, you know, like those kind of things. But this is what it sounds like. Because here, I want to give you something. Worship is to be this. Worship for the Christian is a spontaneous response of the respect at the revelation of God. It is the spontaneous response of respect at the revelation of God. Let me take you back. When I go to a sporting event, I'm going to say, well, if so-and-so hits a home run, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to go, yeah, Woo! way to go. I, I don't practice that, okay? I don't do that, all right? Um, and then if they do something bad, I'm going to go, boo, 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 boo. I'm, no, I don't, I don't practice that. What happens? In the midst of a game when there's a home run hit, I leap out of my seat and I end up high-fiving people that I've never met in my life. I mean, I was at a game one time, and a friend of mine ended up hugging somebody behind me. And I was like, that, our boyfriend's going to kill you, and that's going to be even fun. I'll hug him afterwards. You know, just something. But you, you know what I mean? It just takes over you. It's spontaneous. You do not plan. If you don't believe me, go to your grandchildren or your child's sporting events. People are crazy there. Or, your, or their, their ballet or whatever. Everybody's just like, oh, that's the best. And I'm like, did you just see that? You know, but it's spontaneous. Why? Because you have a love and a desire and a full commitment for what you're watching. Whether it's sports or whether it's kids events or anything. It comes from your desire and your care for that person or those things over and above your own planned out out life, okay? So that's just something we want to say. So this response could be singing, bowing, it could be obedience, it could be a shout, it could be giving, it could be serving. That God reveals something to me and because God is who he is to me and because of my feeling and my desire for him and my love for him, I want to do something to respond. But as we said, if there's true worship, there's also a false worship. And so literally, you can be in church singing and not be worshiping. You could have your hands lifted and your eyes closed, your eyes clapped and clasped together and still not be worshiping. 
It's not about the music. It's not about, you know, the emotions. It's, it's about what's going here. He says, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Worship comes from the, the heart, which connects us to the Father, connects us to God. And that's where we connect. All these other things are, are areas to get us there because what the Scripture tells us is God inhabits our praise. So if it's a shout of joy, yeah, God, you go. He's like, yes, here I am. If it's a song, if it's reading scripture, whatever it is, if the heart is connected to really see God, God says, yeah, I like this. I like this and I'm going to get connected to it. So you ever wonder why God likes this worship? I mean, and why, why we're here? So let's talk about this. Because, you know, um, anybody ever have kids? Okay. Um, you know how kids ask why to everything? You know that? And you realize... I, I figured it finally took me till I had kids to realize that's why my dad said, because I said so. Because he didn't know the answer. And when you say, it's because you've gotten to the end of all the why, why, and all that stuff, you don't want to answer anymore. And you say, I, just because I said so. Or you say, go ask your mother. And, and then they have to answer it. But, but why? And I remember, I, I was thinking about this one time, Judah was always inquisitive. And I remember, like, he, we would ride by a graveyard, and he'd say, what's that? And, oh, it's a graveyard. Well, what's it for? Well, people died. What'd they die from? I don't know, lots of stuff. And he'd ask, keep asking questions to the point, like, you're, you're starting to go, is he going to say, I see dead people? You know what I mean? It, it was at that point, and, but, but he wanted to ask that question because there's this inquisitive nature. And so, so when, we, when we come to church and we read things about worship and, and we, we should have an inquisitive nature about why, about why. And so what I want to do is I want to go ahead and I want to talk to you uh, with a story um, in the New Testament. And um, it comes from the book of John. And I'm going to talk a little bit about it before and then I'm going to, um, to then, I'm gonna, then we're going to see it up here. Or you know what? I'm going to put it up here. We'll, we'll put it up here anyway from John uh, chapter 12, and then we'll go back. We'll backtrack a little bit, just that we know. So what we have here, it says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, a little, little bit outside of Jerusalem, um, where Lazarus, anybody know who Lazarus was? Lazarus was Jesus' buddy, who he raised from the dead. Um, and um, it says that, whom he raised from the dead. Uh, here was a dinner given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. Martha is Lazarus' sister. And um, um, and Lazarus was there reclining at the table because they didn't have like tables you sat down on. They had ones that were close to the ground and you'd lean over and you just recline on a pillow and that's how you ate, all right? Um, so that's a table with him. So there we go, next, next version. Then Mary, Mary is Martha and Lazarus' sister. Mary, now in, in Matthew's scripture, he just says a woman, okay? But in John's gospel, he tells us who she is. And it says, and Mary then took a, a pint of pure nard, um, an expensive perfume. Now, I don't think that's a good name for expensive perfume, like buy nard. You know, I mean, hey, honey, I got you some nard. And you'd be like, mm, thanks, you know. Um, but anyway, it's an expensive perfume. And she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And other versions, in other areas, we see that she had a mixture, that there, some have mixtures of, of tears and other kinds of things. And, the, and look at this. The house was filled with the fragrance 
of the perfume. Okay, so then uh, here we go. There's some extra part here. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. That's an expensive perfume. That is something I'm never buying Melissa or my daughters. I'm letting you know. That is a year's salary of, of nard. Nard is expensive, all right? Um, and so... Um, he, he did not say this because he cared about the poor. This is John. John does not like Judas. Anything he says about Judas, he's not very fond of him. He said um, he didn't care about the poor, but because he was a thief, a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. All right. Uh, here we go. And you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. That's not Jesus just saying, eh. Who cares about the poor? That's not what he's saying. He's saying he's seeing an attitude of her heart in the midst of this area. The presence of God Almighty is there, and she's stopping the world and taking everything that she has, this thing that costs a year wages, and that is small in comparison to the value that she has for Jesus, all right? And... Um, and then it says, meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came to see him and Lazarus because they wanted to see a dead man. All right. Everybody good there? Now let's go back here. All right. Um, so that's what we're talking about right now um, in this section. And so, but what we have, we have in Matthew's section that says the disciples, in this case, it tells us Judas, that they said, why, why, didn't, why are you wasting this? What, what are you doing? You're wasting this. It could have been given to the poor. And then John tells us he didn't care about the poor. It's a waste. It's a waste for, for you to do that. And you think about what an insult to Jesus that really is. They might, in other words, at this time, they're pretty much saying, well, he's a good teacher and a nice rabbi and all that kind of good stuff. But, eh, you know, we could, we could have a lot of money here. And so, so he's dealing with, now, anybody ever been a worship stalker? You know what I mean? Like you're in the midst of worship and you sit in the back and you just start looking at people, like how they worship. Anybody ever just watch people worship? I mean, if you, if you want to see people worship, go to a Pentecostal church. I mean, you'll get exhausted watching it. I mean, I, I remember this one time I was in Pentecostal church. I was a teenager. And this guy, he was big and he was, he was sweating. He was dancing. And I thought, well, man, he's going to kill over in five seconds, you know. But, but it was awesome to see. I mean, it was full. And I, you can see a lot. But you can see people worship. And, and what I found out is, Often you get a chance to talk to somebody and get to know them. You find out their level of worship based off of their story. Okay, hold on. There's a story. Their story is important to how they worship. Martha was serving, okay? And Martha's been beaten up for years because somebody had to make the food. There was, a, there was a food in honor, but Martha was the only one fixing it. Everybody else was lazy, all right? Um, but Mary... Mary realized some amazing things here, and it was so awesome when, when it came here. It says, uh, there's some very interesting things that, that, that are here, that chapter 12 of John follows chapter 11. And when we look at this stuff of chapter 11, we hear that Lazarus is raised from the dead. And that's important, because you cannot understand my chapter 12, where here is Mary worshiping the Lord, Worshiping Jesus. She ain't doing anything else. She is wasting this perfume by everybody else around, but she is worshiping him by giving everything or thing that others consider a great value, and she finds it as nothing just to wipe Jesus' feet and even use her hair to do that. I'm sure there was a towel around. You know what I mean? But for her, she was just like giving all of herself into the worship of God. And what I'm saying is you don't know why I worship in 
chapter 12 until you know my story in chapter 11. And, my, and I'm not talking about bankruptcy, chapter 11. I'm talking about spiritual bankruptcy. That's what I'm talking about. Because I, in her life, there was, in chapter 11, there was hurt. There was loss. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Um, Jesus heard about it and waited a couple more days. He was dead and stinking in the tomb for, for four days. All right? And, and so he say, she's saying, Lord, man, where were you? But Jesus said, don't you know that I am the resurrection of life? And her brother now is sitting at the table in chapter 12. And so she's worshiping Jesus because of what happened, what Jesus did for her in chapter 11. And so many of us forget our chapter 11s, and it doesn't affect our chapter 12s. Uh, yet Jesus has done so much for us, and yet we're still caught in this, this mode of keeping it together or doing whatever and worried about all the other stuff, giving our worship away to bad gods when we forget what Jesus did for us in chapter 11. And our chapter 12 should just be pouring stuff out on his feet and just at his feet and in worship. And so, you know, why do we give a standing ovation to people when something does good? Why do we do that? When somebody does something, why do we just stand up? And, why do we do that? Go ahead, you can talk, it's okay. What? what? They did something good, something that we appreciate, something that we, dare I say, value. All right? Um, and that's why we jump to our feet, and as I talked, and our team scores and thing. Because here's the thing that we need to know. We worship what we truly value. It comes down to we worship what we truly value. Because we value and we know that there's value there to us. Judas was worshiping that day. He was worshiping the monetary value of Nard. She could care less because she was worshiping Jesus. And so, like, the word worship, we got to understand, is not talking about music. Only in the modern church culture have we taken the word worship and brought it down to a musical genre. Um, okay, I've got my rock playlist. I've got my 80s playlist. I've got my country playlist. I've got my hip-hop playlist. I've got my uh, Tupac uh, playlist. I've got my workout playlist. Oh, and I've got my worship playlist. And we've kind of, kind of done that. But worship is not a genre. Worship does not start when somebody comes up and grabs a guitar. Um, worship is not an activity that's confined to the realm of music. Worship is not a style of church service that we have contemporary worship and traditional worship. And by the way, contemporary worship is about 30, 40 years old. It ain't contemporary anymore. It's called church. All right? What it is is worship comes from the English term worthship. That it's what we grant worth to. So we, when we worship, we are giving worth and worship to God. And the disciples question and devalued this woman's act of worship. They were annoyed. Like, I want to show you, I want to be honest, I want to show you one, an incredible, awesome picture of me worshiping. All right? I'm going to share, share this with you. Here we go, Melinda, hand it to me. Brady under pressure. Escapes the sack, no. launching one for the end zone. It's a jump ball and it's incomplete. And Brock was there. Yes! And time Yes! 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 Down goes Brady! Yes! Woo! Yes! Oh my God!
And Judah says, did we win yet? I'm going crazy. Rachel, that was Rachel, like, sounded like she was throwing up. Um, and Hannah runs through there, and that was Judah. Uh, did we win yet? Yeah. You know, he could have cared less. For me, I was like, ah, the heavens opened up. And I do know more words than yes, but at that moment, I had no clue, but yes. And I'm be glad that the Spirit of God came upon me, and I didn't say anything else. Um, but but that's, that's worship, right? My heart was overflowed. And let me tell you, that didn't last too long. Right? There's some Eagles fans here, I can tell. You know, the disciples were so annoyed because they thought it was too much. And so often we think that as we give, oh, we're doing, that's too much for God. Can you really give too much to God? Can you outgive God? And they're so annoyed, like, why did he do that? And many of us look at, you know, when we're, when we're worship stalkers, go, what in the world is that person? What are they doing? God just loves the inhabiting of our praise um, with that. So we, we go ahead and we give, we give all of it to God. Um, why, why do I throw up my hands? Why do I throw up my hands? Well, I, I throw up my hands. It's, it's like, you know, it's a, celebra it's a natural celebration thing. I mean, football, it's a touchdown. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's the thing in rugby. I don't know what that is. But, but we just, you know, anytime we, you notice how we just naturally, when we're elated, we throw up our hands like this or whatever. And so, so that's what it's supposed to be in worship. I throw up my hands because, you know, and, you know, little kids, what do they want you to do when you pick them up? Sometimes, sometimes life's so hard. And we just need our daddy to pick us up. Sometimes I'm just like, yes, I'm just celebrating who he is, that he's my friend that's closer than a brother, that he's the one that never leaves me, that he's the one who's, who's not ashamed to be identified me, the one who knows everything about me, the good, the bad, the ugly, the bad, the filthiness, the dark areas of my life, and he still says I am the righteousness of God. He's the one who spilled his blood for me. So excuse me if I get excited about Jesus. I should be even more so. Because everybody worships something, so why not worship, worship the one who made you? And in this section, Jesus only has one week to live. And this woman is anointing, using what she saved for anointing and giving it to Jesus. You know, you never understand somebody's action until you know their stories. You ever met older people, like when, like I'm talking about like my grandparents' age, who would have been like in their hundreds or whatever now, that they would take like paper towels and rip them in half? And you go, what is wrong with you? That's in their chapter 12, but in their chapter 11, they grew up in uh, the stock market crash. So they had a different ideology. We have a totally different ide ideology now. So they had that. So I understood their story. This woman is doing something that other people consider wasteful, but she doesn't. So here you have John recording this story and, and Matthew recording this, this story. And she connected because she had a brother who was dead for four days. And he called her out. He called him out. And he was the one who raised her brother from the dead, who heard her cry and her pity and, and gave her strength and, and did the miraculous in her life. So she was going to praise him regardless of what other people thought. It's important to understand that worship is giving. It's worship. And it's saying, God, you deserve so much more that I can't give enough of my life to you. I can't give enough praise to you. I can't give, en give enough energy to you because you've done the great things. So we said, if it's true worship, then it's also what? 
False worship. So in your, in your worship guide, you have a, a quick list that I'm going to go through with those. And we're going to fill those in. Number one is false worship number one. The worship of a false promise. This is what false worship does. The worship of a false promise of a created thing. We worship the create, created thing, the creation. We get caught up in that. And, um, you know, when we, when we see where Jesus is being tempted, and I have that in there, and I'm gonna, you can take a look at that. When Jesus is being tempted by Satan, he says, if you fall down and worship me, if you fall down and worship me, in this world, this world tells us, hey, if you do this, then you'll get this. If you do that, then you'll get that. If you act this way, you'll get this thing. If you take that, you'll get that. And then a lot of times when we, we do the if, when we get there, we find out that, that that isn't as good as it was, as we thought it was. The earth is not mine. It's not yours. It's not the devil's. It's God's because the scripture tells us in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The other thing is when Satan promises you something, he can't deliver because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He can only give what God allows him to give. He may tell you, if you, I will give you happiness if you do this. I will give you fulfillment if you do this. And the answer is no, he cannot. He can't give something that he doesn't have permission to give. And that's why so many people are trying to fill life with every different things and everything is not bringing it because Satan can't give it. The only way we have those things, the only way we have peace, joy, um, and, and all those other kinds of things is through Jesus Christ. Because God is the one who gives that to us. How many of you, so many of us right here may have said, you know, if I get that one more promotion or I get one more a higher level on, in, in my grades or if I get one more recognition or one more this and one more that, then I will arrive and be happy. And when we get there, we find out it's not a good place. It's like the, the person who rose the corporate ladder and once said, I climbed the corporate ladder and when I got up there, I found out I was the only one there and I was alone. There was nobody else up there. That is false worship. But true worship is the worship of a holy character of the creator God. That we don't worship what's created. We worship the creator. Not because of what we get. God's not a, a, a celestial Santa Claus just waiting for us to make out a list for us to give to him. But we worship him for who he is. In Isaiah 6, the angel said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. In Revelation, it says you are worthy of all worship just because of who you are. And, I, and think about your own relationships. Hopefully the relationships that you have, whether it's dating or marriage or, or your friends, you're not with them because of what you can get. If you say, man, you know what? If, if I hang out with that person, I can probably get dinner paid for. You know? Um, some people do that, right? But we, should, we shouldn't do that. Hopefully you're spending time with those people because of who they are. If you are for what you can get, you're manipulative. And, um, and that's not something that's good. It's not a friendship. Um, so we have this uh, time and time again. Uh, so if you want to ask this question, would you still be their friend if, if they couldn't do the things they, they normally did? If they couldn't walk, if they couldn't talk, if they couldn't give you anything, if they couldn't help you out, if they couldn't go out with you, if they couldn't do this, would, they still, would you still be their friend? We are all, yeah, you ever see the signs on the road under construction? And you're like, what a mess that is. But when it's done, it's like, oh, this is really nice. When we're looking at each other and we got to look at ourselves too, that we're all under construction. God says, just chill out. I'm, I'm still working on you. We have to worship God because of who he is. He is faithful. He's not going to let us down. Number two, false worship number two is, is uh, based on the appetites 
or the liar. And true worship, number two, is worship based on spirit and truth. Satan is a liar, and when he tells you he will give you things, he can't do it. And when he says, I'll give you all the glory, that's what he said to Jesus. He said, um, if you worship me, I'll give you this and all its glory. But the, fu- the funny thing is, it's, it's not glorious when you're there. We go hard after things, and we're so driven to get that job, that board of directors position, that studly man or smoking gorgeous woman. And whatever it may be, many times after you get it, you're like, I wish I hadn't gone after that. Anybody remember somebody that you just couldn't live without in high school, that you were thanking God that you didn't get as a life partner? Anybody? All right. Um, there's a, probably a lot of people raising their hands if they heard that with me. Um, you know, who knows? But true worship is based on spirit and truth. You know, your soul has a different appetite than the rest of the body. You get, you get hungry, what does your, your stomach start to do? And you, you will do anything to eat, you know what I mean? You'll get to that point. So your, your soul has a different thing. Your soul wants something different. It has a different fulfillment plan um, in your life. Your soul wants to be satisfied. And the only way to be satisfied is truly with Jesus. Okay, there are things that your soul, the invisible, immaterial, that your physical body cannot know or, or doesn't work with. It's a spiritual thing. So true worship is when your heart connects to God. That's why you can be in church. You can sing a song. You can raise your hand or whatever. But if your soul is not connecting, if your heart's not connecting with God, there ain't much going on. It's like when people say to me, yeah, I've read, I don't get much out of it. I read the Bible cover to cover. That's because your heart wasn't in it. Your heart wasn't connected to the author. And so that, that's a disconnect. So when you come to church, you have to have your heart ready. You have to have your mind ready and everything focused on God. How? Sometimes it's just a matter of just going, just repeating Jesus' name. Like I repeated yes, yes, yes in there. Sometimes it's just, sometimes the weight of life is so difficult that the only thing you can get out is Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And that's all you need. That's all you need. And before you know it, that heaviness it doesn't leave you, but it just sometimes goes away. Because Jesus said, I'll, I'll, I'll take it on. And then you can just focus and worship on him. Your thoughts may be right now as you came in today on your finances, on your relationships, on your job, on your health or whatever. And you should just say, Lord, I want all those. I want all those things and desires to just, to just connect to you. And he'll do it. False worship number three. It separates us from God. And true worship number three brings us closer to God. There's several ways to get closer to God through spiritual disciplines, but just things that get you there. For me, for me to get close to God is, uh, if, I, if I just want to be in a, in a worship, like just not learn anything, but just feel and be, I'll turn on music. Music is what takes me away somewhere, you know. Um, what I have learned, though, is I can't really read my, my Bible well in the house or someplace else. And, and when I was on vacation this year, one of the things I really loved was getting up early and sitting there and plopping a sand chair at the beach and just, you know, people could be around. But at that moment, just Lord and I escaped. I didn't care who was there. It was just a moment to escape. And in case you don't know, I don't have a beach in my backyard. Um, so what I do? You know what I found out? I found out the most awesome place to, to read and do devotion with God is in my car. 
just let the car run, gases drop, the, you know, it's still high, but whatever, you know, and just sit there and just, it's me and God in the car and nobody bothers me and I don't answer the phone. It's just, it's just, you got to find that area where you can get closer to God. And false worship is about you doing what you want and dragging you away. God, you stay over here and I'm going to be here. But true worship is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus that we have there, okay? Um, so let's look at uh, number, what are we on, number four? Number four, false worship fosters a desire to worship the self where true worship fosters a, a, a hunger and thirst to worship the creator God. How many of you have something that daily you have to have? I'll give you an example. Like how many needs that morning coffee? Anybody need that morning coffee? All right. Like if you don't have it, you'll get headaches and you'll be really grumpy and nobody will like you at work. Um, and you may wake up, I got to have my coffee. You got to have that start the day. And the reason why is because you programmed yourself. Okay? You programmed yourself. You physiologically, biologically programmed yourself to have that. True worshipers program themselves to say, oh, I got to get Jesus. Oh, I got to get Jesus. Oh, I got to spend some time in the Lord. Oh, I don't care where I'm late. I got I to gotta have Jesus time. All right? And that's, that's the things that we got to do. And that's why the scripture says, get this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that he's good. Because when you get a little taste of what God can do in your life, then everything else can be falling apart around you. But man, you get your Jesus. That day's, that day's good. You know, it reminds me of this. Like so many times we save like prayer and we save devotion till later in the day. And it reminded me of, anybody ever heard of the tomato frog? Is in like Costa Rica? Okay, the tomato frog's an interesting frog. It's like a, a red frog. That's why they call it a tomato frog. And when it gets in trouble, it has these pores that it milks out. It has this milky, like, poison that goes out. So if something, a predator bites on it, it lets this milky poison out, and the predator spits it out. So it doesn't die. But the problem is, he's, like, all chewed up now. So now he's, like, mm, mm, you know, just hopping with, like, a leg that's all chewed up. And that's the tomato frog. We spend so many times being tomato frog Christians. We don't take time in the morning to say, oh, I got to get my Jesus. And then we go through the day and we're chewed up and we're spit out and we're chewed up and we're spit out and we're chewed up. And at the end of the day, we're like, oh, I got to pray, Lord, where were you? Because we didn't start the day with him. And so we're tomato frogging through life, all right? You guys are going to Google that later. I know you are. Somebody, somebody, somebody. All right. Number five, false worship. You are a slave in bondage. True worship. You are a liberated servant. The devil in the world will tell you a lie and they put the proverbial carrot on a string in front of us and we go all over after this. You do this and this will happen. And before you know it, you're, but they'll do this. And before you know it, 30, 40, 20, 30, 40 years have gone by and you've lived life addicted to false promises. I've met people from, any, any kids from the 80s? Anybody grew up in the 80s? All right, yeah, like me. You know, remember all the promises they gave us there? How'd that work out for us, right? You get out, you get a job, you work 30 years, <laughs> right? They're saying that, that young people, some of the young people, they'll say that you will have five or six different careers, not jobs, careers by the time you retire. That's a little bit of change from the 80s, all right? But God wants to set you free. He wants to reassure you that he loves you and that he's got the best for you. False worship, number six, is humility before Satan. We don't say it this way. We don't say, Satan, I'll do whatever you want. But our actions just say, okay, hey, I'm just going through life. I'm not doing what God wants. So if I'm not doing what God wants, then I'm going to do what Satan wants. All right? It's just going to happen. If I'm not, it's like if you make a commitment to work out and then you don't go to the gym or you make a commitment to diet and you're eating donuts all day, it ain't going to work. And that's kind of how it works with the Lord. True worship says um, it's humility before God. It says, Lord, I am here for you. 
I'm here to serve you with my arms, my hands, my mouth, um, my eyes, my thoughts, my ears, my legs, everything. And what did we have to do today? We surrender. We surrender. And wrapping up very quickly here, what I want to do is I want to give you the, the rest of the plan. I know it's a lot, but there are three obvious things that every true worshiper does. Are you ready? Get your tray tables up, your seat backs up, because we're going to go and take off here. Every true worshiper worships in all. I love what Hebrews says. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, no matter what happens, the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. Satan can do nothing to take away the kingdom of God. So let us be thankful because gratitude is a bridgeway. We enter his courts with what? Thanksgiving. Why? We enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. We come with thanksgiving because thanksgiving is the gateway to worship. It is the connector to worship. And uh, so worship God acceptably with reverence and what's that word? All. For God is a consuming fire. All to most of us is a word that has no meaning anymore. Again, thanks to the 80s, we diluted that word. Totally awesome. Right? How was that pizza, Jack, at, that, at the new pizza place? It was awesome. How was that WVU game the other night? Wasn't very awesome. How was, um, did you watch that new Netflix series? Yeah. It's what? Awesome. We throw that word, word away so much. And guess what? There is nothing. Everybody say nothing. There is nothing that is awesome except for God. Everything else is natural. God is supernatural, and God deserves the all and he has, doesn't deserve all some. He deserves all, all, right? He deserves it all. Some of the things we sense a glimpse, like the Grand Canyon. Anybody go to the Grand Canyon? I went, I remember going to Grand Canyon. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And I walked a little bit over and I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I got in the car and went to another side. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I was done. It's a big hole. You can only do so much at a big giant hole. But God doesn't run out. God is awesome all the time. A sunrise at the ocean. Parents, first time you see a child, how much more is the one who is truly awesome? Do we have that? Psalm 95 says, come, let us bow down and kneel before our creator. We, we lower ourselves to be lifted up. Number two, worship with abandon. So you, you worship with all, but you also worship with abandon. I love this section of scripture. I say that all the time. Second Samuel. The Ark of the Covenant, it was the presence of where God was. They had a couple things that were in there. Um, they, one of them was uh, bread, manna. One of them was a staff. And one of them was broken tablets uh, that Moses had from the Ten Commandments. And the presence of God went there. And when they would go into battle, they would take it, and they would kick the rear ends out of everybody they were going. It was the presence of God. And it had been captured. It was taken somewhere else because somebody died. David was bringing it back in to Jerusalem. And here's what happens. It says, when the, when the ark of the Lord was entering the city of Jerusalem, Michael, daughter of Saul, who is David's wife, um, she saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her whole heart. Now, one of the things that's left out of here, David was what was in a linen ephod. It was a priestly thing. I call it like spandex or, or like a singlet, a wrestling singlet. David, the king, is dancing around in a wrestling singlet because the presence of God is coming there. And Michael says, you look absolutely ridiculous doing that. 
and she, she despised him in her heart. Then when David returned home to bless his family, Michael said, came to meet him, and she said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. That's a great greeting to come home to. And David retorted, I like that word, to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord who chose, and then he throws this little verse in, who chose me instead of your daddy, all right? Um, but then he says, um, and so I will celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this and even be more humiliated in my eyes. But those servants, girls, you, message, you said, I'm distinguished with them. What is David saying here? He said, I don't care what you think. I don't care if I'm dancing around in spandex and I'm supposed to be the king. I don't care if I'm raising my hand. I don't care if I'm shouting. I don't care if I'm dancing in the aisles. Because it wasn't for you. It was for him. And I have an audience of one. And I don't care about you. Because he is my God and I'm going to praise him. And guess what? You thought that was bad? Wait till the next time I go to church and worship. It's going to be even worse. I'm going to have a thong on. You know, who knows? That's what David's saying here. He doesn't care because it's about here, not about what other people think. And for David, it was passionate and he loved it. And he was dancing before the Lord. He said, David danced before the Lord with all his might. He left nothing on the table. When's the last time you came out of church and you were thoroughly exhausted? Like, whoa, man, I got to take a break because worship got me exhausted. I lost, look, it says I lost a thousand calories in there today. Right? I guarantee you David did, dancing before the Lord, all right? Number three, worship with intimacy. Worship with intimacy. The only way we have intimacy is by knowing and being known. The Greek term for this is gnosko, and it has this intimate nature that you really know. Here's what David said. He said, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David could have asked for anything. Could have had extreme power, could have had things, could have had money, but it's intimacy with God that he wanted. He said he had a nice palace, but he said, I just want to live here. I don't want to go home. I don't want to go to work. I want to I want to stay in the church all day. I want to stay there every day. I just want to worship you, God. I want to connect. I want to dwell in your presence and look at your glory. Those you love deeply, you know intimately. And this is what God wants. He wants us to grow and know him deeply and intimately. Not facts about him, but intimately know knowledge about his character. Spending time with him. David's one thing is, I want more of God. You know why? Because when David was a shepherd boy, he spent time with the sheep and with God. And that's when he wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't need anything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't, I'm not afraid because he's with me. He understood that because he spent time with God in worship. You ever, you remember when you, some of you may have little kids now, but like my kids are older. And you remember like when they're real little, like they try, they try to crawl into your body. Like you could never get away from them. They just want to get closer and closer and closer and closer. And you sit down on the couch and they like, even the toddlers, they scoot over to you and they're like sitting on you. And God forbid if you're sleeping with one, they're all over the place, you know. But, um, you know, my, my kids, I remember that um, they, always, they always like to sleep 
and my chest. I got a belly now, but I had a bigger one. I guess it was like a nice little dome they could lay, lay sleep on. But um, I remember they were sleeping there, and I remember Emigail particularly used to tuck her arms in and just lay on me. And even if I had to go somewhere, I didn't get up. Because I just, you know, because she ain't doing that now at 22. I don't think. I hope not. All right, you know what I mean? But just get real close. That's what God wants. That's worship. God's like, mm. because back then there was nothing better than their mom and their dad, and they just wanted to be so close, so close. What about us? Are you tired of worshiping from a distance? Don't you just want to snuggle on up and just be like laying all over God? Just tuck your arms in on him and just sleep so soundly, knowing that you don't have to fear any evil because he's with you and you're with him. That's what my prayer for all of you is and for Haven. And the vision of people passionate that recommitted to a passionate worship of God. That they can't wait for the doors to open, that they arrive early and can't wait for these doors to open so they can get in here and see people and just be so excited that they can be like the scripture said, I was glad when they said to me, come and let us go to the house of the Lord. And that each and every day of their lives, they don't just get coffee, but they get Jesus. And they start from there. Because what does God desire? True worshipers. True worshipers. And that's what he needs. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand up and let's worship the Lord in this song portion of this today. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us in a prayer. You have done great things. So, Lord, um, I know we are just scratched the surface of the great things that you have done and the great things that you want to continue to do. And so, God, as we gather and we close out for this time here today, our, our corporate together worship, the time that we're together, Father, I just ask that... Um, your Holy Spirit, just fill us to overflowing that in the, in the areas of life where we are, that we just have these spiritual areas of, of, of deadness, of things that are just, you know, that we're in, we're in spiritual bankruptcy. That God, you will, um, that through our worship, not just songs and not just words, but but our heart. Let's connect to you right now. Let's see you in each and every day. Let us get our Jesus on in the morning. Let's get it even before our coffee. Man, that could change us, our drinking coffee, that we just get some Jesus. God, we, we, I, I just get a feeling there's some people here today that just need to crawl up in their daddy's lap. Their hands have been pretty much out to the side and saying, I give up. And really, I just need to lift them up a little bit and say, I need picked up. So, Lord, for those who are here today that just need their daddy, they just lift their hands up to you and they just say, hey, Dad, I need help. Because you're there for us. Reminder of the song, Heart of Worship, when music fades and all is stripped away.
overcome that. God, let's just strip away what's, what this, this facade that we put on and just spend some time with our dad. So, God, you move in this place, and we realize that you're, it's a time where we give back as an, also another form of worship and your tithe and our offerings. And if you're our visit, visiting with us today, we do not expect you to give it all. You're our guest. So God, for those who do give, I ask that you, you bless those gifts to further your ministry here and around the world. For the churches in Haiti who are just doing some awesome things and we're going to celebrate that in a few weeks, God, I just um, I thank you. I thank you for bringing your family together across nations. I thank you for bringing us together here and let's just worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.
shout of praise. Come on. There we go. Awesome. All right. So next week we're going to begin starting a new series. It's going to be called Running with the Big Dogs. We've done uh, that before, but we're going to do is it's based off of Hebrews chapter 11, where if one of those great cloud of witnesses could come out of stands and run a lap with us, what would they tell us? And so that's what, what would we learn. All right. So I hope to see you next week. Have a great Labor Day. That is the holiday, right? Okay. Enjoy uh, wrestling from your labors. And those you have to work, sorry, take another day. All right. God bless. And before you leave, Tell somebody, have a great week.